Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, the show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. We're going to mix things up today and do something a little bit different. I've asked this amazing man to come onto the podcast for a third time so that we can equip you with the mindset and tools needed to finally keep all those New Year's resolutions that all too often fall by the wayside. In addition, you will get a glimpse into my new book, Superhero by Design, which is now available. We've got a jam-packed show for you, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce the man who forever has changed my life and keeps inspiring me to be more so that I can do more. I am, of course, talking about Joshua, the ultimate warrior Gillo. Joshua, once again, welcome to the show. Ace, I'll never get tired of hearing that intro. <laughs> you are so good at those intros, man. But thank you for having me back on. And I can't wait to split this subject wide open because it's managed changed my life too. And I can't wait to help others do the same. I'm just as excited as you, man. So today we'll be promoting my book, Superhero by Design by Matthew Ace Haggerty. You can find a link on my website, superherobydesign.com or on Amazon and Kindle. I'd like to note that a portion of the proceeds from every book sold goes to Operation Rescue Children or ORC. Operation Rescue Children is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that trains people to go into the darkest places of the world, including our own backyard, and take down the people and organizations that enslave and traffic women and children. Also, you can follow me on social media on Instagram at Ace Haggerty or on Facebook at Matthew Ace Haggerty. So Joshua, I am completely fired up for this show. So let me ask you this very important question. I think you know what I'm going to say or ask. How you doing, man? I don't know that I could be doing better, to be quite honest with you. It's, uh, we live such a blessed life and have so many opportunities and to come back on with you and share stories and knowledge and all that stuff to help people. There's no higher calling. Heck yeah, man. I am on the same page as you. I am so excited for this show. I've been looking forward to it. We're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, which everybody seems to have around this time of year. Close out the end of the year, start a brand new year. There's nothing more exciting than that. But like anything else, there's a method to our madness. There's things, there's tools that you can use and implement to further leverage yourself so that these don't become uh, resolutions that end up failing within a week, two weeks, things like that. And I'm so excited to have you on here because you are the man when it comes to implementation and keeping things and changing your habits so that they become an integral part of your life. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, it's, it's been a struggle of mine throughout my life where, you know, we, we, you get to that time of year, first of the year and like, oh, what are your, what are your new resolutions? What are your big goals for the new year? And I remember very clearly when I was younger thinking like, oh, I don't have any, <laughs> you know, I don't have anything <laughs> lined up. I don't have any clarity around that subject. So I would do it most do. And I would be like, well, I want to, I want to make a lot more money this year and I want to get stronger and I want to grow my business or grow my whatever. Like you have these ideas, but you never really connect to them. Right. You're like, I just say it because it's a kind of a formality that you do around this time of the year. And then you're like three weeks later, you're like, oh, I remember I said I was going to do that thing and never did. And it was like, yeah, just like every other year. Who knows? So uh, you never really connect to them. But what I've realized and what you're getting at is the fact that once you do start believing what you're saying and set uh, certain goals and, and uh, 
objectives for certain timeframes and start putting actual teeth into them, life changes. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. And, you know, we did the 100 day challenge a little bit less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being our New Year's resolutions. And so I really want to get into the 100 day challenge with you and just kind of let the audience know what I had done, what you had done, and really the get clarity on, shoot, how much change you can make in such a short amount of time. And that, I keep going back to this 100 day challenge, it seems like every episode, but it has been so powerful. So I definitely want to hear I even yeah, I was with you day in and day out, but I, I really want the audience to hear what you did during the 100 day challenge. So we will jump into all these things. There's so much to cover. Like I had said, uh, can I uh, read a little bit of my book and kind of, I guess, introduce you to how Ace was born? Love that dude. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Rock on. All right. Well, for all you listeners out here, I'm going to read just a quick part story. It happened before the hundred. Let me set the scene. It happened right when I met you, Joshua. It was Mm -hmm. the event that I had attended after my whole life seemed to unravel. And this was the event that really kicked things off for me. It it was a few months before the hundred day challenge, but it was a men's event that we had attended and I knew I had to go. And about three or four days before I attended, my life just imploded. And so this was a very important event for me. And I start, actually, it's first part of the first chapter of the book. And yeah, without further ado, I'll get started. Shoot. All right. (laughs) Awesome, man. The longest five minutes of my life, I spent toe-to-toe in a boxing ring with a professional fighter weighing 250 pounds of solid muscle. Maximus is a six foot, six inch MMA Hall of Fame giant, aptly named after Maximus Aurelius from the movie, The Gladiator. My athletic ability at the time was average at best, and he could easily crush a man like me. Whereas Maximus had bravely fought some of the biggest and baddest fighters in the history of the sport, I was the guy who had spent his first grade school dance in the backseat of my mom's car with my twin brother because I was too shy to dance with the girl who asked me to the dance. As I climbed through the ropes and made my way into the ring with Maximus, my legs began to buckle. Heart pounding, I knew that getting through this challenge was going to take everything I had plus more. So I pumped my chest, took a couple deep breaths, and the next thing I knew, the bell rang. My memory of the first three minutes of the fight are a blur. I recall drawing on the boxing techniques I'd learned earlier. Having spent the past few days at a men's event training in a boxing gym alongside a group of average guys like me in Las Vegas. We'd been awakened early every day for a hike up a nearby mountain in the dark, followed by a full day of exercising and training in the boxing gym. Several professional fighters taught us how to throw jabs and hooks along with the footwork necessary to adequately move around the ring with an opponent. The leaders constantly pushed us both beyond our mental and physical limits. After a few days, I felt as if I were being transformed from a lump of clay into a block of steel. 
Throughout the week, our group was told that there would be a championship round at the end to bring together everything we had learned in some sort of battle of glory. I had no clue what this meant, but in my mushy brain, I imagined we'd be strutting around, celebrating all the hard work we put in. After a final day of sweating profusely and pounding water between short breaks where I could barely catch my breath, it was time for the much-anticipated championship round. And that's when it was my turn to enter the ring with Maximus. In those first three minutes, I threw a few combinations, all easily blocked by my worthy opponent. With my hands down at my sides, I then took a surprise hook and jab to the face. I knew he was holding back on us, but even a half-force punch from Maximus felt like being walloped with a sandbag. Exhausted, my arms were heavy and tired, and I was completely out of breath. Just when I couldn't go another second, Maximus did something to me that I had not seen him to do, do to any other participant in the ring with him that day. All week, he had been quietly observing me. He knew I just separated from my wife. And the fact that I had no self-confidence at the time was no secret. However, he had also seen me push myself during each training session. It was now his job to solicit something meaningful deep inside of me. But his method in that moment shocked me. When I was about to give up, he came at me with a left hook right into my soft gut. Any remaining air in my lungs suddenly evaporated, and I dropped to my knees, desperately grasping for one tiny breath. This was it. Every part of my body told me to go down and stay down if I wanted to survive. To be continued. <laughs> Leave me hanging there, dude. The, the crazy part about that, and it was, it was beautifully written. I was there, obviously, that day. I saw all this happening. So it's just to hear it now, it just brings back and floods the memories of being in that ring with Maximus and that, especially for that championship fight. And I remember that man ragdolled my ass <laughs> like crazy. Man, I never felt weightlessness until I was in the ring with that guy. But uh, I love that story, dude. It's, it brings back fond memories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, it was insane. I can't believe he, I won't say sucker punched, but that guy saw what I was going through and he yeah. gave me some extra special treatment. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a and, nice way to put it. And I, I, I love him for it. Absolutely yeah. love him. You know, he apologized. So this guy, Maximus, he is huge. Uh, he, yeah. One of his nicknames is, is Shrek and mm. he hates that name, but that kind of describes how massive this guy is. He is yeah. a human specimen. And yeah, he, he gave me that jab to the gut and I went, down and yeah. it's so funny that afterwards he he's such a nice guy he's such a sweetheart like he was uh days later when we had the the uh dinner at the end of the event he kept apologizing to me i was like no man i know exactly what you were doing he's like no i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm like hey man i'm i'm still living i took it <laughs> and i'm still living right. so uh there is an end to that story we might might hear it today. We'll see. We'll see time permitting, but no, I appreciate you, uh, listening. I am so proud of this book. I'm so happy, uh, that it is now out. And I really appreciate you, uh, listening to, to part of a story. Absolutely. Did you know what? I've had the, the blessing and the, the privilege of reading it before it went live. And, uh, you sent me a copy over to read through and I'm telling you, dude, and I'm not just telling you this cause you're my friend. I'm saying this because it was, it's true. You know, the, 
the way that it's written and the, the stories that you share in there and your transformation, dude, it, it's, I remember meeting you that first day. I remember, you know, the, the man that I met that day and the man that I'm talking to now are completely different human beings. You know, back then you were just kind of, kind of moving with the tides, you know, the life kind of happened to you, things just kind of rolled through and you just kind of took what you could get. And at that event was the pivot that I meant that I saw in your life, the pivot that made you realize that you were in control of your destiny. And when you then took that and put it into this hundred day challenge and said, no, no, I need to prove not just to, to the world, but to myself that I can be as strict and disciplined as it's needed to be, to become the man that I want to become. And I see you going through it and creating checklists and everyday check-ins and all that stuff. And I did this and I went beyond there and I'm, I'm really freaking struggling right now, but I did it anyway. And, and to see that hundred days, uh, to see you go through that and, and it was just so powerful and to see what it's done for you now. I mean, during that time you wrote the book, right? And all the other things that you've gained. I mean, dude, you're fucking, you're ripped now. You know what I mean? Like you're, you've put so much focus into your inner health and your body. It's so impressive to see what has changed from somebody close by, right? And to, to see what that means now in the future, you know, and how that yeah. just that hundred days has impacted, not just those hundred days, but everything that's come all the way around the rest of the year. And to see that you're creating or you're, you're carving the man out of the stone right now. And you're doing such a beautiful job out of it. I couldn't be more proud of you. That's right. From a lump of clay to a block of steel. There you go. Well, let's Love let's it. jump into the 100-day challenge because we've talked about it many times. And I really would like to just kind of do a quick deep dive into exactly what both you and I did during these 100 days. Um, so the 100-day challenge, essentially, there's eight categories to your life. There's health and fitness, emotions and meaning, relationships, time or yes management, your work, career, mission, finances, legacy, and spirituality. So there's eight life categories. Now, in the book, I have mentioned that I had picked every one of these categories. For me, it wasn't you could you could do one or two if you want there's there's no set protocol to how many or how few you have to do but for me i wanted to do all of them my entire life like i said was spiraling spiraling out of control and i knew that i had to do this and take extreme action extreme ownership as jocko would say on my life so i i hit all of these and so for my 100 day challenge and I'm going to have to pull open the book because, man, saying all of these, uh, <laughs> there's a lot and I don't want to miss any. Um, While you're looking for that, dude, I know when when our uh, leader had mentioned about, Keith, he had mentioned about having a 100-day challenge, you know, when you came to me and said, hey, let's do this together. So we're kind of accountability partners that way. I, the first thing that went through my head, dude, is I'm thinking 100 days is a long fucking time. <laughs> and I'm like, that is a lot of commitment. And will I be able to commit to these things for that long and, you know, that kind of went through my head. I've heard of these other programs like 75 hard or even let's just do something for 30 days. That sounds more attainable. But there's something that happens to you when you start the process of thinking about, you know what? What if I'm just playing myself short here? What if thinking that 100 days is too long is is not empowering me? Because 100 days is going to come or go regardless, right? That's It's going to come yeah. or go. God willing, it's going to come or go. And you're either going to become something in those 100 days or you're not. 
And to take control of that is, is a whole other level. So so when you went into all the things that you're going to do throughout and, you know, I'm coming from a different area because I, at the time you started it, just so the listeners know, you know, it's like you were spiraling all that kind of stuff. You had, you were grasping for something that, that you could kind of uh, ease into and kind of create a structure within your life when everything else was kind of all over the place. And for me, I've had a pretty structured life that way, right? I, you know, family and kids and all that stuff. So wasn't in the same spot, but my point in saying this is that, the 100 day challenge doesn't have to be the same for everybody when it comes to the outcome or even the input. Uh, and like you mentioned, if there's eight categories, you can pick four or five, or if you really want to make a big change, pick all of them, but you've got to pick and you got to do. It's not going to be done yeah. for you. That's the biggest yeah. piece. So no matter where you're coming from in life, this will absolutely profoundly change the way you think about yourself and then how you can impact the world. Yeah. Even if you just did, let's say health and fitness, because both you and I can agree on this, you don't have your health you don't have anything in life. That's All right. the money in the world isn't going to do anything if you're sick or if you can't move or if you don't have any energy. So even yeah. if people focused on health and fitness, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, how to do that. But even just focusing on that one category has a domino effect on improving every aspect of your life, whether you're working on it specifically or not. 100%. And the cool part about that is is that it doesn't, again, hasn't had to be the same for everybody. You might be like, hey, my health quota for the day is X, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And that's what you're going to do. And the next person's like, man, like for instance, mine was run a mile and do 30 pushups or pull-ups. Like simple enough I can do every day. So it's not like this massive you know, undertaking. But the hardest part is getting started. And once you do that, you start feeling this momentum. You're like, well, I can do more than that. I can go lift a little bit. I can go do this. I can get on my pegboard. I can do whatever. You can make it your own. But you're absolutely right. If you don't have health, everything else suffers. If you don't have energy and vitality, and that all comes from movement, the body's designed to move, move it. All of a sudden things start to be better. Your stress starts to just disappear and, and, and melt because you're burning it off in those moves and whatever it might mean for you. So, uh, but no, I, I love this part because if you, if you don't have health, you don't have anything else in life. And that's my opinion as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let me, let me jump into it. I'm not going to, there's a lot to talk about and I don't want to bore the audience by listing the whole thing. You can, you can obviously purchase the book. I would love that and see it all there. But I think the biggest thing was, yeah, I started with health and fitness. So I started off with a 10 day cleanse and essentially that was to get my body completely, uh, detoxed. And so drank a lot of water. I had no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, no smoking, no drugs, I ate pretty much mostly vegetables, fish oil, water-rich foods, nothing like dried or overcooked, no animal fats, no meat, no dairy, uh, drinking lemon water. I had pure energy greens. And so I was essentially flushing my system out in the first 10 days. The funny thing was I got COVID a few days before the challenge started. I don't know if I told you this. So not only am I going through sugar withdrawals, caffeine withdrawals because I was drinking a lot of coffee at the time. I was on the other side of getting over COVID. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So it started off with a bang, let's just say with that cleanse. <laughs> I, I had a headache for about a week and a half. Um, mm, that sucks. And I wasn't able to go to the gym immediately until I passed the quarantine time. But then, yeah, I hired a trainer and I did not have enough time because I wanted to write this book and do all these other things. So I didn't have enough time to 
really focus on, okay, how do I count my macros? How do I come up with a, a diet plan for myself? Plus, I'm, I'm not an expert at this. So what I did is I found a guy who was an expert and I hired him and he came up with my meal plan. He came out with my workouts, everything. I didn't have to think about one thing. All I did was pay him and he did his thing. We did weekly checkups and that's how I was able to lose so much weight and gain muscle and all of that. So health and fitness, I pushed it hard. I was waking up. Let's just start with the morning rituals. Waking up every morning at 5.30 a.m., getting my head straight and getting organized by making my bed. Got my energy levels up by doing three sets of Wim Hof breathing, which is like Tumo breathing. Essentially, it's super oxygenated breathing. So heavy uh, in, in and out type breaths, almost like hyperventilating. That was to get my, uh, my sympathetic nervous system kicked up to get my energy up. I drank water. I did what are called incantations. So essentially, there was a warrior creed that I would say in front of the mirror to get my energy levels up, to get positive thoughts and words out of my mouth, but also back into my head. Um, like I said, I worked out. After my workouts, I would jump into a cold shower after the cold shower, I would plan my day. I would do visualizations. I would pray. Every time I dressed, I call, uh, called it dress for success. I would make sure that I'm dressing, whether I'm going out onto a construction site or I was going into a set of meetings. I was making sure that I was dressing properly. Um, and then every day I would do a 90-minute session of research on the book and a 90-minute session of writing for the book. And then I would reach out to you guys. And that seems like, oh man, that's a whole heck of a lot to do before like you even start your day. But if you're getting up at 5:30 in the morning and you stay regimented and on top of all these things, you'd be surprised what you can do before anybody else is getting up, getting out of bed, grabbing their coffee and doing their thing. One thing I want to mention too is that during the 100 days the no ca sugar, caffeine, alcohol, smoking, drugs, all that stuff. That was for the 10-day cleanse. Mm -hmm. After the 10th day, I was like, you know what? Did it for 10 days. Let's just do it for the 100 days. Yeah. So, just want to point that out real quick, and I'll explain why in a little bit. And so, yeah, that was essentially my morning to late morning. My midday rituals, I did more incantations. So to keep my keep my mind right, keep giving out that, that good energy, those good words to keep a positive, uplifting, motivated mindset. Why is I that so something? important, Ace? I know that you've mentioned that a few times here with the affirmations, you know, and it just sounds like words, you know what I mean? So somebody listening to this, to this uh, podcast might be thinking, you know, like, well, all right, so what am I to say? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. Like Tony says, yeah. like bullshit. I'm not fucking happy. Like, like how does this even work? Why would I be talking to myself? And what the hell are people going to say when they hear me talking to myself? Like, why does that matter? Yeah. It's like the, uh, I think some people call it the law of attraction. Essentially what you're giving out to the world, you're going to get back to yourself. So big thing that we follow is thoughts, words, and deeds, right? First, mm -hmm. our thoughts become words, our words become deeds. And so if my thoughts and my words are empowering, then my deeds are gonna be empowering. It's gonna keep me motivated throughout the day. It's gonna keep me driven and keep me positive. And the way I know that it works is when I'm 
constant, consistently doing my incantations, I feel great. I feel mm-hmm. energized. There's dopamine that is uh, in my body when I do it. I get a little bit of adrenaline. At the end of the day, I do nightly incantations too. That brings the serotonin in. And so I'm using all these neuromodulators too to leverage myself to propel myself forward or at the end of the night to calm myself down and to be grateful and cool and calm and incantations. And some people call them affirmations. Mm -hmm. Affirmation is just saying like, I am an unstoppable force of nature, but an Mm -hmm. incantation, you put a power move or a body move with it and getting the body engaged in addition to using the language is so much more powerful. So I, I don't even talk about affirmations. I just talk about incantations because they are so much more powerful because you're getting your body into it. So true, dude. So true. And I was even running this morning when I was out for my run and I was doing my incantations as I was running along and I'm just, you know, saying them low than saying them loud. And, you know, it, it's, I am healthy. I am uh, loving. I am courageous. I just keep rotating it. I, Joshua Gillow, see, feel, hear, and know. And I keep going through that, you know, that conversation over and over again and, and wiring yourself forward. And I know this to some listeners, this might sound like a bunch of hogwash. Like, why are these, these guys got to be crazy? Like, what's going on here? But the point is, don't judge it until you've tried it. There's power yeah. in words. Words have power, especially the ones that are running through your head that you don't talk about. That constant voice, you know which one I'm talking about, the one that's saying you're not enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're not enough. And when you bring that out and you start listening to what you're saying about yourself, it has power. It has extreme power. And I learned that through the 100 Day Challenge as well, this concept. And I've been continuing throughout because of the power that comes from the words and the, and the, the, the story being run around your head, circular, constantly rotating in your head. What is it? Is it empowering or disempowering? You know, you have a choice every day on what that story is. Yeah. And thoughts can both be deliberate and they can be on autopilot. So thoughts are these weird things where thoughts can naturally just pop up in your head without you being consciously aware of it, but you can also be deliberate. And the thing about doing incantations or affirmations is you're being deliberate about what you're saying. And if you do that enough, those random thoughts that start coming up, are going to be more positive. And the ones that are negative are going to have less power as well. And so I think it's so important. And it sounds crazy because I've done the same thing while running, yelling stuff at the top of my lungs, like I am a champion. I am getting stronger, better every single day. And I'm yelling this as I'm running. But you know what? Some of my best runs have been because I've been doing incantations while running. It's absolutely insane the power of an incantation especially when it's coming from a deep soulful place when you're making your move you're you're doing that physical act uh whether it's with your hands or your feet or whatever it might be for you and you're then affirming it with those affirmations and you can dude i'm, I'm telling you i can wait make one move now that i've trained this so much i can make one move and go from an okay state to a peak state in one freaking move less than a snap of a finger I can feel the adrenaline. I have control. I have a switch now. I can turn that adrenaline off or turn it on. And I can do that all because I'm doing it mindfully and I'm doing it purposefully. But it's taken the training of doing what you're telling us here is to get into this concept of positively affirming your strengths. Because we all have weaknesses. We all have them. 
We can focus on them or we can ignore them and focus on the good stuff. And those fears start to dissipate over time when the power of the, the empowerment comes across stronger. It's crazy how it works. Absolutely crazy. I wouldn't have believed any of this stuff until I started living it. And I know you the same way. It's like, how come no one ever taught us this in school? They taught us trigonometry. They taught us algebra, all that stuff we don't use, but they don't teach us how to manage our state, how to show up our best versions and how to, to really win at this game we call life. And that's, I guess you're set on your own after that to figure it out. And thank goodness you have, and you packed it into a book, which is incredible. And I love the stories that you share and the tools that you share. And you did a ton of research with this. So this isn't like Ace's idea of how to do this. Like, no, this is like a solid way. I love that some of the stories in there are just freaking amazing. I love them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I did research on the best of the best in the, this field. And yeah. like you're talking about, uh, one of the eight categories, emotions and meaning emotions, incantations are going to go a long way to help people work through emotions and the meaning that they give to things in their lives for sure. So with all those morning and afternoon rituals that I ended up doing for the challenge, some people might th be thinking, well, you're up at 5.30 a.m., you're doing two-hour workouts, you're doing all this crazy stuff. Like, you're only taking in 1,800 calories a day. Like, when do you rest? And to let everybody know, around one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I wouldn't crash, but I would definitely hit a valley. Mm -hmm. My energy levels would go down and it's different for everybody. But from 5.30 in the morning till about two o'clock, I would just be a freaking man on a mission. But I also learned from guys like Andrew Huberman, and I was doing this myself before I ever came across Huberman. Uh, Huberman has something called NSDR, which is non-sleep deep rest. So you're not actually sleeping, but you're doing things like yoga nidra, guided meditations. I used to do things called power naps where I would just sit in a chair, lay back, recliner, lay on top of my bed and just close my eyes and be calm for about 20, 25 minutes. Sometimes I'd fall asleep, mm. but I'd always wake up within those 25 minutes. So it's a, a way of refreshing your body and your mind. And I always used to be hard on myself when I would rest in the afternoons like that. I'd be like, can't you be a machine? Can't you do this all day? And what I learned is you got to be more in tune with your body and what your capabilities are. Obviously, push yourself and increase your capabilities, but also listen to your body and what it's telling you. So I would do uh, those non-sleep deep rest rituals every afternoon, and I'd feel like a million bucks afterwards. And then I could finish out my work day and my nightly rituals. I would spend time with loved ones. I would journal. So I'd do a gratefulness journal and a daily review journal. Sometimes I would do a hot shower if needed to calm myself down. I would post on social media, pray. I would get away from screens at least an hour before bed. I would read for at least 15 minutes. And then I would reach out to you guys at the end of the night, my 100 day challenge group. And I'd make sure that I'm sleeping at going to bed at a consistent hour. So usually a two hour time frame, a two hour time frame between 8.30 and 10.30. And I do my nightly incantations. And that's what I did for a hundred days. Now, I know we talked about writing the book. So I had an overall project of writing the book for contribution. I gave money to the nonprofit at that time. It was Operation Rescue Children, which I got into more and became a member of afterwards. But during the hundred days, I, I gave money to the nonprofit and 
yeah, you know, other things that I avoided, like I said, no alcohol, no caffeine, no sugar. One of the vices that I wanted to get over was pornography. So no pornography for the hundred days. And on top of that, and this might sound a little graphic to the listeners, but I also told myself I would not masturbate in that hundred days because I did not want to tempt myself with pornography or any of that crap. And I, I knew some of, some of the triggers for me. And for me, this was a non-negotiable. And that was a difficult thing for me to do as well. But then I took that energy and I put it into other things like my writing, my workouts, and things like that. And so that was pretty much a comprehensive list of what I did for 100 days. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, there's, that's, that's a powerful set of things to avoid and to work toward, right? Especially when it comes to so much uh, personal accountability. Now you did mention before about reaching out to people at the end of the day, um, the accountability side. And I don't know if all listeners understand that concept and how powerful accountability can be. Can you go a little deeper into how that helped you during your hundred days? Um, the accountability side of things, because that's yeah. just a big piece. Yeah, exactly. So it, my support group. So you were in it and this other guy, Ty was in it. Mm-hmm. And every morning after I did all my morning rituals, I texted you guys. I was like, Hey, kicked ass this morning, did my rituals off to work. And so that was a way for me to stay in communication with you guys. But it was also for me holding myself accountable to you guys. Cause if you weren't getting that text, I was going to get the text. Hey, how was your morning? Yeah. How's your morning going? And at the end of the night, it was kind of like a nightcap. So, uh, one thing I did during the hundred day challenge is I took all of these things and I made a checklist and I physically printed it out, laminated it and posted it on my wall opposite side of the room from my bed. So every morning when I was doing my morning rituals, I had to go and check that list. And then every evening I had to go and check that list and I had to make sure that every box was checked every single day. And that held me accountable. Once I did that at the end of the night, I shot you guys a text like kicked ass today, did this, this, and this kept it short, you know, and only took about five, 10 seconds to shoot that text. But then I made sure that that became a ritual for me as well. And I wouldn't miss anything because I made sure that I did everything on that list every single day. I love it. Dude. I know that you created that entire checkbox, which I thought was super helpful. And, uh, you know, we didn't do exactly the same things during on her day challenge. Everybody can be flexible and wherever they are in their life. And I know you took on all of it. It was so impressive to see you go through that. And to, I remember one or two times throughout, you missed a box for some reason, right? It wasn't on purpose, but you missed something and you're like, oh my God, I didn't do this. I'm going to do double or whatever tomorrow. And I'm like, dude, there is this thing called grace. It's okay. You're human. Your intent is pure. That's the main part here. And you're, you know, especially being in the situation where you were with your, you know, situation with your wife and, you know, kind of being disconnected there and also growing and, and discovering who you are without somebody around. You know what I mean? I know that for myself, you know, I've, I've always been in a relationship most of my life. And if I was find myself in a situation where I was on my own in my midlife, yeah, structure is important or your monkey mind will go crazy. You'll just start doing things like drinking, smoking weed, watching porn, all that kind of stuff, because the mind goes there easily. It takes a lot of guts and perseverance to say, no, that's not the way I'm going to go. Cause that's the easy path. 
and take the hard path where you get into these, you have to actually set up a structure for your life intentfully and then work through that discomfort and pain and know you're doing it because you want to, even though no cell in your body wants it until the end, right? Until you're done and you get that runner's high or that lifter's high or whatever, and you get all that adrenaline. But uh, it takes a lot, especially getting up early. And I have mad respect for the fact that you just said, look, I'm done. I'm done with this. I am in this to win this. And you freaking did, dude. You knocked it out of the park. But all the... And I love watching you throughout this. I love watching your your transformation. And I'm so freaking happy that you caught it and put it into a book so you can impact others with this. Because I can imagine your journey is not a whole lot different than a lot of people out there. And some are stuck. They're really stuck in their day-to-day or they're stuck in comfort or they're stuck in, this is just who I am. And this is how it's always been. And I'm going to be stuck here forever. And they feel like they are completely powerless. And you and I both know that the the second you feel powerless, you need to say, look, I am the one with the power. I just need to show up for myself first. And you did that. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've got my, you can't see it or hear it over the podcast, but if you're watching the video on YouTube, you could see it. I have my green bracelet on that says we fight to win. And not only does it say we fight to win, it's a, it's a green bracelet because I love green. Um, but it's also a cancer ribbon bracelet. And my mom died from cancer. Uh, she had breast cancer and it, it unfortunately spread and she lost her battle. So to have this bracelet on every day was a constant reminder to me that I do fight to win. I don't fight to lose. Now, do people lose? Yeah, I lose at times, but that doesn't change how I fight. I fight yeah. with the intention to win every single time. And then if I, if I, fall or make a mistake or lose, that's an opportunity for me to grow and learn. And so having this bracelet was a great reminder too, to keep me motivated each and every day. So I'm, yeah, I've been wearing it again, prepping for the next hundred days. So it's, that's been super powerful as well as far as accountability. Cause I feel like my, my mother is with me each and every day, especially when I'm doing this and, and, and doing good work to enrich my life and help other people. I love that. And having that wristband on, I'm sure you look down on it and think, you know, of her and think of your challenge and you don't forget it. It's kind of like a removable tattoo almost, right? You can constantly keep looking down at it and being like, you know what? I know what's got to be done today. Let's get it. Yep. Let's get it. Yeah. uh, Tim Ferriss, I was watching an old video of his the other day and he was quoting a guy that he really admires and, and knows pretty well. And he said, to go back on what you said earlier about doing the hard choices and uh, there's a quote that this guy had said was easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. And so the hundred day challenge, you're making hard choices, but that will lead to an easy life. You'll have your health. You'll have your wellness. You'll have a great state of mind. You'll have finances. You'll have great relationships. One thing I didn't mention is I reached out during hundred days to a person that that's missing in action. And so I reconnected with old friends. I made new professional connections that furthered uh, business. Uh, And so it was absolutely incredible working on relationships as well, because that's a huge part. You you say this all the time. Relationships are the top currency. That money is the lowest currency form of currency. And so, yeah. What if for a hundred days you were like, well, I just want to improve my relationships. I want to improve my relationship with my kids, my spouse, mm-hmm. my extended family, 
people in my church or around my community, in my neighborhood. Um, I'm just going to go and talk to a random person every day for a hundred days. That's going to be a tough challenge for some people. That would be tough for me. It's getting easier, but that would be tough for me talking to a hundred strangers every day or making a business contact every week. Like there's, you could do, do this any way you want. You can get as creative as you want, but as long as you're doing it consistently and taking that action consistently, it, those parts of your lives are just going to flourish and grow. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when, when you see it on the back end and look back. I love, I love how you say that too, because if somebody listening wants to do this hundred day challenge, um, but they're like, I don't, I'm not a guy that likes to work out or a girl likes to work out or whatever. And that's fine. Like there's no judgment in that. But if you were to do exactly what you said and just focus on a hundred days of, of relationship building, and maybe it's as simple as getting up and talking to your spouse in the morning for five minutes or going for a walk with that person for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Maybe it's helping your kids pack their lunch in the morning or do something like be intentful with your time and be present. So if you could just say relationship side, I just want to be present with the ones I love more often. And that's your challenge. That's it. It doesn't have to be more than that. How much impact that will have in not just your life, but your family's life as well. Because the one thing that we don't want to live with, deep down, don't want to live with, it's regret. Imagine being on your deathbed ace and thinking, man, I went out and I chased all that money, all that fame, all that success. Yeah, I got it. But I have no one to share it with. I have a family that doesn't really even know me because I was never there present with them. I was physically there, but never there. Imagine that the weight you would carry into the next life with that, right? So that's on my mind, right? That for me personally, I'm like, I don't want to live with regret. I want to tell everyone how I feel right now while I'm here, while I'm alive. I want to be as president and it's not easy running businesses and running a busy life and all that to be present everywhere with everybody, but it's a muscle. And if this 100-day challenge was just about building the relationships you already have, and if you choose so, to go out and find other relationships, have lunch with people, take other people out in your industry, whatever it might be. You know, you can start building that repertoire of relationships, but focusing in on the ones that already surround you, that could make a world of difference in your future. That's yeah. it. So your 100-day challenge, I remember you were talking about being the ultimate warrior for your family. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about what you did during the hundred day challenge and specifically when it came to your role as a father and a husband and your family? hundred percent, man. When at, at the event, what I learned and, uh, it was kind of peeled back during that time was the fact that I was, I was posing as a father. I was posing as a, um, as a husband, I was physically there. I, you know, I tried to show up for the soccer games and Boy Scouts and all that stuff, but my mind was somewhere else. My phone would ding. That was a lot more important than people because you know what? They're going to love me no matter what. My customers might not, or my future or my success or my ego might not. So I was, and I didn't realize that I wasn't doing it intentionally, but it kind of took over where everything was more important than them. And what I learned during UM and what I then brought into my 100 day challenge and what my, my, um, Oh, what was the word that Keith used for it? Our, the, the, the statement that we made, he had a certain name for it. I forget what he called it, but our, our contract, that's what it was. Our contract with ourselves. Um, 
I realized that, you know, my word, my, my, my name for myself when I went into that was Captain Bullshit, right? We have to kind of name ourselves and where we are right then and there. It was Captain Bullshit because I was bullshitting with the world that I was happy and everything was perfect and all that stuff because I was just who I was. And I realized that the, the one that hurt me the most was the fact that I was bullshitting to my own family. So I said, no, that's the end of it. So the ultimate warrior, which is the name that the tribe coined myself, um, he's, he's focuses on being the absolute most incredible human being for his family. He puts his family first, always. And when I started to take the, my hands around that idea and started to think about how that'll change how I show up when I get home, going from Vegas to back to Pennsylvania, flying back, I had the opportunity to really and my flight was delayed, which was absolutely perfect. You know, it was, it was, it was perfect divine intervention, right? And I sat there in that airport, just bawling my eyes out, thinking about how much I've been robbing from my family for my own fucking success, for my own ego. I realized how much I was just ripping it right out of their hands all the time that my kids need. They're two young men growing up and they need a, a masculine father figure in their life. And he's half in, half out. I just wasn't going to take it anymore. And that broke me to my core because I love my family more than anything on earth. And to think that I'm robbing from them just broke me. So I said, you know what? That's done. We're finished with that. So on the way back, I was just writing down how we're going to change it, how I'm going to show up, how I'm going to change the way that I am there. How am I going to be present? And I said, that's it. That phone goes away at this time of the night. That's it. It goes away. And I'm with my family, no matter if we're playing a board game or watching TV. And I hate playing board games and card games. I think they're the most biggest waste of fucking time there is personally, because I don't get anything from it. This is my old thinking, right? I don't get anything from it. So why would I do that? But when I started to ease into the idea that I'm like, wait, maybe those times are just time spent. That's the presence of it, right? Put the phone away, pull out the monopoly board and just get hunkered down for four hours of insanity, right? It's like, yeah. it's just a long commitment. And, and so anyway, I started to just get into that and say, look, we're going to play board games, put the, the phone away and did exactly that. And the craziest part is we've had some of our best laughs and goofy times as a family playing those games, things my kids will remember forever and I'll remember forever. I do in the morning, I do uh, appreciation and gratitude, you know, just visualizing things I'm grateful for every day, at least three things. And uh, that comes up quite often, just days of sitting around laughing and then also watching the kids manage their states as they're moving through a game where sometimes when they're winning, games are easy, right? Life is easy when you're winning. It's when you get punched in the mouth that you don't have to figure out what the hell you're going to do. And sometimes games, not sometimes, games are a great opportunity to do exactly that, to kind of live in this not real world, but see how you manage it because it feels really real. So I have to give my wife all the credit for that. She loves doing board games and card games, and I'm getting better at coming into them and being 100% present during them just to win at the sense, in the sense that we're spending time together. So by putting that into motion, by being more present with my kids, by being more active in their lives, I feel whole again in my heart. I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm, I'm finally getting that part of my existence under control. And in that, the regret of not doing all those things has subsided. I feel like I have a 2,500 pound gorilla off my back. Because the last thing I want to do, Ace, is to work like crazy my whole life and only die with money. I, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to make sure that we've made a big impact, that I've spent those quality moments, that we've had the chance to share them as humans, especially within my family. So I also made up a little jar. I came back and I said, kids, look, 
everybody's going to throw in 10 things that they love to do. And if we get to a Saturday or a Sunday and we have nothing that's planned for the family to do, we're going to just dig in, pull out something and do it. So there's a whole book series you can get with this, something about adventures. I forget what it was, but the idea is that you can go in and just, so you always have variety and it's not one person always dictating, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. They don't feel that obligation. We go in and pull it out. And I have to say, couple of times my kids have been like so what are we doing today it's sunday afternoon what are we going to do and i'm like i got some things i want to do that said hmm they become my little accountability partners I'm like didn't you say that if we didn't have anything to do we're going to pull out of that jar and i'm like oliver you're right go grab out of the jar and they pull out oh it says make cookies sweet what kind of cookies you guys want to make and off we go to the store and get stuff and we make cookies and we eat cookies and we joke and that's the whole afternoon and what I love is the fact that I sat them down and explained exactly what I'm telling you guys. I didn't hold that back. I wasn't the, the you know toxic masculine man who was just like, they're going to do whatever I say. Just sat back and I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you exactly as I'm speaking now from my heart and I need you to help me be accountable to this. And they said, I will do that for you, Papa. We will do that for you. And from that, we all grow. And I believe they start to see what it really means to be a man, what it really means to have all of these responsibilities and what it means to show up. And throughout this process, you know, that, that, that changed my life, absolutely changed my life. And that's something I'll always hold near and dear from that event. Yeah. You know, and I was right there with you at the beginning and then walking with you as you went through this. And I really appreciate you sharing that because it's hard, especially being a man to admit that you're failing. You have a beautiful wife, two amazing kids, but you were failing them. Yep. And you have completely changed. You've completely, I remember you told me a story when you first talked to Oliver about that and you had sat him down. I'm, I'm telling your story here. So just, okay. I'll listen. FYI. <laughs> so you remember this, right? You sat Oliver down. No, you sat him down and you essentially said to him, Hey, like I haven't showed up as a father. And mm -hmm. Oliver looked at you and was like, what are you talking about? Right? Exactly what happened. Yeah. Your kids don't know any different. Yeah. Like with my parents, I didn't know any different. I thought how they acted, how they treated me, how they lived their lives. That was just normal because that was my life. And you had said, you said to him after he said, well, what are you talking about? And you're like, I am not showing up as a father. Yeah. And I will start showing up from here on out. And that's what you had did through your actions. Obviously, your words, you explained it to him, but I doubt he had any clue what you were even talking about. So you had to show up every single day. 100-day challenge, show up as that father, as that husband every mm -hmm. single day. And I know you were all already doing a whole bunch of other things. You were great with your health and fitness and your finances. So you didn't need all the eight categories like I did, but relationship with your family, I know was priority number one. Yeah. And it is absolutely amazing how you have transformed yourself in your family as a man, husband, father, absolutely incredible. So as much as I've made changes in the past year, you have made just as many changes in what has been important to you. And it all came down to who you showed up as every single day and the actions that you took every single day. I appreciate that, brother. And you're absolutely right. It changed everything for me and my focus. And, you know, when, when we focus on self, that's where all suffering comes from is focusing on self. 
That's right. right. And I, I've, I've learned that throughout my journey and I, I, I have a, a love hate relationship with that context of that, of that statement, but it's so true because every time I focus on what I'm going to get from the situation, then it's uh, it, that's worth suffering. And then I'm not getting enough or am I enough or whatever it might be. But when you just give for the sake of giving and serve for the sake of serving, everything works out fine. And, you know, with my kids, with that experience with Oliver, when he said that, I was like, you know, these kids, they don't even, they don't know different. They don't have other, you know, family experiences to kind of pin it against. I'm always there, but he just doesn't know that I'm not always there with my heart and my focus. And once I did that, and it wasn't easy, dude, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, one day to the next, I just put yeah. the phone on the hook and I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> anything going on over there. It still was deep in me. Like there's, that was years in the making. So just to snap that off in one second is not going to happen. So I felt the pull, the lure, the, the attraction back to that phone or back to the work. And I just started to say, you know what? No, 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 no. At the end of my life, what do I want it to have meant? And the number one thing that keeps coming back up is to be the model that my sons create their lives with. And they will not listen to my words. They will be watching my actions. That's right. Actions are much stronger. So I'm like, I need to give them the opportunity to become whatever they want, but I want them to start with where I kind of get to, if you will. You know what I mean? I want them to leapfrog my ass as fast as possible, but I want to make sure they're leapfrogging high trees, not little scrub oaks. You know what I mean? I want to make sure that because I know as long as they're true to their heart and true to their passion and true to their, to themselves, they're going to have a phenomenal life. You know, we do so much mindset work, you know, you and I, you and I both ace and working on mindset and, and keeping everything lined up and growing constantly that for a kid, it's kind of annoying. Like I see my kids are like, all right, do you went to another event? When are they going to come back and lecture us on this time? Right. And I, I used to do that, right. If they come back and I'd be like, Hey guys, let's sit down. I'm going to tell you what I learned. And they're just rolling their eyes. They, they have no life experience to pin it to. They don't, they're, they're 12 and 15. Like seriously, the crazy part that's happening now is now with friends coming around, they start getting curious, right? I have this shirt on now that says two millimeters, right? So we had a friend that came over to the house, uh, one of Jacob's friends, and she's like, so what does two millimeters mean? And Jacob immediately says, oh God, here we go with another, you know, long explanation of all this. It's going to be a, an entire thing. And I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, so I do that, don't I? I start lecturing and I need to stop that because it's only pushing them away. They're not getting closer. So anyway, she started asking questions and she seemed very interested. And I'm like, hmm, okay, that sounds good. You know, it's, and Jacob's like, I can't believe you're interested in that stuff. She goes, why not? It's fascinating. You know, it's, it's, it's always the kids and the parents, the parents are icky. I get all of that stuff, but I just want to know that in the end of my days, when I look back that I know that I've given them every opportunity to do whatever they want with whatever they want, not to force them and to know that, uh, they have all the tools they need to grow. So that'll be on them, but I'm going to show them that there is a path if they'd like it. Exactly. You just have to lead them and let them make their own mistakes, make them or let them live their lives. And you are doing a great job leading them. Thank you. I want to mention again today that I am promoting my book, Superhero by Design by Matthew Ace Haggerty. You can find it on my website, superherobydesign.com, or you can get it on Amazon or Kindle. And a portion of every book sold goes to Operation Rescue Children. You could follow me on Instagram at Ace Haggerty or on Facebook at Matthew Ace Haggerty. All right, so let's jump into New Year's resolutions. What people can do so that they can start the year off right 
and also what they can do so that they keep things going. Now, I'd love three-step processes. That's kind of my jam. So essentially, I broke this down, the three steps to keeping New Year's resolutions. And we'll jump into all three of these things, but a quick overview of them is step one, preparation. And if anybody knows what a SMART goal is, I absolutely love them. They break goals down in very good methodical ways. I'm an engineer by trade, so it works with my brain very well. So however you prepare preparation is step one. Step two is just take action daily, like we talked about with the 100-day challenge. And then step three is reviewing and adjusting. So after you prepared, you're ready to go, you take action, boom. And then afterwards, you review it. You look at it, you dissect it. You're, you're like, okay, this worked, that didn't work, review and adjust. So those are my three steps. Now, with preparation, Mr. Gillo, one thing I love to do is plan. Planning, obviously, is part of preparation. But when I plan, I get very specific on what I want. Tony Robbins says... Not what do you want? What do you really want? So I get very specific on what I want. I set up specific measurables and how I'm going to achieve them. So when I went to write my book, I was like, okay, well, how long is a book? I'm going to do this in 100 days. How long is this book? Well, an average nonfiction book is about 70,000 pages. So I broke that down. So I have to write 70,000 pages. (laughs) <laughs> or sorry, I was thinking that's a one long seventy. Book. <laughs> uh, that's a Tony Robbins book right there. That's um, for sure. Yeah, seventy thousand words. I appreciate the clarification. <laughs> we don't want anybody to write seventy thousand pages. No one will buy your book dude, if it's seventy thousand pages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seventy thousand words broken down in a hundred yeah. days. It it came out around seventy thousand words. I think I broke it down to about six hundred words a day, which is great because Microsoft Word counts how many words you type. So I made sure that I was doing about 600 words a day. And I was also, I guesstimated how much research I would need to do. And I was doing about 90 minutes of research a day, somewhere between 60 to 90 minutes as well. Um, Because I think I had about 50,000 words, not pages, words of just research notes that I took as well. Mm. And so got very specific on what I wanted. I wanted to write this book, my measurables, word count, and study time. And how am I going to achieve it? Well, I'm going to sit down in front of the computer. I'm going to write. I read a book on how to write books. I I read multiple books, actually. And that was part of my research, too, on how to write a book and how I'm going to achieve them. For my health and fitness, like I said earlier, I got a coach or an expert to guide me because I did not want to spend time doing the research and doing the planning. I just wanted to hit the ground running with my health and fitness. Um, I also made sure that the goals that I set for myself were challenging, but also that they were achievable. You don't want to do something like say, I'm going to learn five languages in a hundred days. That's not very likely to be something that you can achieve. So wanted to do something, one that challenged me, but also that I, as much as I push myself beyond my current limits, that it's still something that I could achieve, even if at the beginning, because I didn't think I could write a book that quickly with all the research and everything I wanted to do. So it was challenging, but I also knew somewhere that it was 
going to be achievable. And then obviously why I was doing it. It, For me, I like to say, was it relevant to my mission? Well, my mission is to improve myself so that I can be an example for others of what's possible in life. Yes, writing this book, doing, you know, losing all the weight, all those things, these are relevant to my mission. And then make sure it's time specific. I gave myself 100 days to do all of that. And the crazy thing is, if it's important enough and you do it long enough, 100 days, those habits will get ingrained. Your neural circuits will get rewired in that amount of time and you will make new habits because that's what happened after the 100 day challenge. All these things that I implemented once day 100 hit, it was like, well, I could stop doing this stuff, but I don't want to. Like the first day I woke up, day 101, it's like, well, I kind of want to go to the gym. I don't have to. Yeah. But there was something pulling me. I wasn't Mm. pushing myself to go to the gym. I was being pulled to it. So as far as preparation, I pretty much just broke down the SMART goals. Get specific. Get something measurable. Do something achievable. Is it relevant to what I want to do? And it was time specific. So that's how I prepared for the 100 day challenge, which essentially is just preparing for your New Year's uh, resolutions. I love that, dude. Nice and broken down. It definitely fits well in your engineer framework of view of the world, right? <laughs> Everything's nice and orderly. You know, for me, it was a little different, you know, because I, I, I appreciate that approach for sure. But the hardest part with, running let's just use it as an example isn't the running part it's putting on your fucking shoes right going to the gym it's not the gym that's the hard part it's getting to the gym or actually wanting to show up there right like either the drive or the walk or the whatever or getting dressed for it once that happens once the shoes are on you're like all right let's go so i like to focus on having you know minimal amounts of anything in order to call it something. So what I mean by that is this whole concept of micro rituals. So like if, for instance, if I'm going to say I'm going to run and that's part of my hundred day challenge and I would say, okay, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to run a half mile. That's all I'm committing to. But the crazy part is once you put your damn shoes on and once you get that half mile in, you're probably going to do a little more, maybe not in the beginning, but a little while later, you're like, I still have at least another quarter mile in my tank or I can go a whole mile today. It's that starting point, right? Or if you're going to read, if that's part of your 100-day challenge is to become more, um, you know, astute at something, then you could say, I'm committing to reading one page in a book. And the crazy part is one page turns into 5, 10, 20, 30, 50. It's the starting of it that is uh, what keeps most people back from achieving their, you know, their, their, their goals or whatever they might put in place. So by setting it up, you don't, to your point about it being measurable, that's, that's great. But make sure that your measure isn't so high that you're like, I'm going to go into the gym and I'm going to start working out and I'm going to lift 363 pounds on day one. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, then you don't do it. Then you feel defeated. So my suggestion, and that's all it is, is a suggestion, do what you want with it, is to start out with really small goals as far as like the amounts and reps and things like that. And you will naturally build. And that's what builds the momentum in that pull. Uh, is those those micro rituals and they start becoming fun. And, and my coach years ago had mentioned to me about this concept and said, look, make sure that those rituals are so simple that you could do them when you're half awake or drunk. <laughs> He's like, because then there's no excuse for you not doing it. Like you can read a page when you're drunk. You might not remember much of it. Or if you're half asleep, you know, or you could, you could probably run at least a quarter mile or a half a mile in that case, you know, in that, in that state. But uh, 
making sure that there's no excuses. When you say, I'm going to read for 90 minutes at a time, love the ambition. But for some people, that's a major hurdle to even sit down and look at the clock and be like, it's 6 a.m. or even 10 a.m. It doesn't matter. An hour and a half of reading. I don't even like that idea. Then they just don't do it. They peel off. So one page gets the process started. You, the book is open. Now you might actually engage it. Yeah. I think we're, we're, uh, approaching the same thing from two different angles Correct. and it just depends on the person. Yep. Some people are like me where it's like, all right, balls to the wall. Let's get her done. Throw everything you can on me. But also too, my why was so strong. Yeah. My why was so strong that I was compelled to do everything I can to turn my life around. Yeah. And so the why can never be underestimated because 100%. if you have a strong enough why for anything, mm-hmm. that's the leverage you're going to need. And that just, that doesn't even get you, that does more than just get you started. It keeps you going when the going gets tough because of that yeah. why. And it's so hard because it's like a, it's like a new muscle. People are like, well, what is my why? I don't know what my why is. Yeah. That, that is a muscle you need to build as well what your why is. And so having a strong enough podcast right there. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole other podcast. No, but I I get it. If I was planning to write a 70,000 page book, (laughs) I would have failed. (laughs) That would have been very measurable, but probably not attainable. (laughs) Yeah. Not in a hundred days, but who knows? Maybe you're pretty awesome. You could probably do it. But yeah, like you said, once you get going, whether you go balls to the wall day one or you build up to that, the important thing is taking that daily action. And then step three, review and adjusting. For me, I had that nightly journal of my progress. What worked, what didn't work, what modifications do I need? And I was kind of like a detective. I I was going to it more like with like a, hmm, you know, I put my hand on my chin and go, Hmm. How did today work out? And I would review it. I wouldn't judge it, even if I didn't do something and essentially be like, okay, well, why didn't it work? What can I do tomorrow? That's different. And so as you go along and you're not being hard on yourself, but you're being consistent about reviewing and tweaking, because you're not going to get it perfect day one. You're not going to get it perfect week one, but it's not about day one or week one. It's about changing your life forever. Yeah. And so. And perfection is an illusion. So, I mean, I, I struggle with that most of my younger life is trying to be perfect. And you know what? That just ends in failure. Because what are, you got to start thinking about your rules around perfection. And most of them are not empowering. So that's why perfection is an illusion. And you go for the best you possibly can do at that moment. And you know what I mean? Whether you focus more and what I wanted to do here with you, Ace, is to show two different sides of this because both can get you forward. Um, if you have more of an analytical mind, then having an exact structure works perfectly. But I'm a little bit different than that. I like a nice structure, but I also like to have flexibility and variety in there. For me, that that makes it more fun to do. So um, the cool part is there is no one right way, but there is an amazing, as soon as you start becoming disciplined and realize that you are the bottleneck in your life for not being absolutely freaking amazing. Everything you want. You're the one at fault for that. No one's coming to rescue you. Yeah. This is all on you. And the fact that you need discipline in your life is if you're listening to this and you're feeling some of the things we're talking about here, you just need more discipline in your life. And it's not the kind of, that has to suck. It could actually be kind of cool, but that's going to be up to you to decide. 
Yeah, I had Noah on the, I believe it was the last show. You know, he's he's only 21. I don't know if you knew that, but Noah True. is only 21 years old. He's done so much in his life already. He started his first podcast when he was 16 years old, mm-hmm. built it up to 50,000 listeners in five months. First podcast ever. The guy is a rock star. The interesting thing about the difference between him and uh, someone like me, I'm very structured. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm a structural engineer. I'm very structured. Exactly. <laughs> and he, the way he was talking about it is he try this. Okay. That didn't work. He try this, but there was no rhyme or reason. He just tried different things. And when stuff started clicking and stuff started working, yeah. it all started to unfold for him. And, and the results are the results. So he, he came from a diff, completely different, uh, uh, school of thought when it, came to this i was very structured and rigid and he was the opposite of it but like we always talk about take daily action he was taking action immense action all the time and then he would tweak okay this worked that didn't work so he he did steps two and three take action review and adjust yep and yeah he he did it in a completely different way because he's a different different type of person than i am yep no exactly and that's a beautiful part about all this but you know, we could, uh, <laughs> so many different ways to approach it for sure. Yeah. No, well, I hope, uh, hope everybody's getting some good stuff out of this. Cause just listening to you, I always get great, great stuff out of you. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this. So we talked about the last hundred days. Do you have any ideas now that we're winding down from 2022 about to get into 2023? Do you have anything on your list for the next hundred day challenge? Well, funny enough, you asked that I'm, I've hired your trainer, your personal trainer, cause I've been doing my own workouts and things. And now I would like to add some structure to my workouts and, and some different opinions and thoughts and all that stuff. So I've hired Nolan, um, to get started with that on the fitness side for me on the family side is, is, you know, to be more present with my family and to be less not less. Let's not put it that way. I guess. Yeah. Less, less, less consciously judgmental. I realized during the last event that I was just at, that I was being very judgmental and not even realizing it. And I, I have gone back now to my different values and, and virtues and said, you know, let's look at all the different rules that are associated with them. And that's a whole nother podcast right there. But the point yeah. is to really start looking into that and seeing why I feel certain ways about certain things and know that I have control over what that means and to dig deeper in those things. So relationships is better understanding and to, to open up and see where my faults are as well so that I can be the best husband and father that I can possibly humanly be. Because you know my purpose in this planet is to be the ultimate warrior for God and my family. That's what it is done period so with that being the case i need to dig inside and find out what's not working so i can become a better version of that so that's in the relationship side um you know i have a lot of other things that we're going to be doing some events that we're doing where we're climbing in the grand canyon and all that good stuff so i can't wait for all those things and to just help empower that's the contribution side of it all to help become even more uh able to impact and empower other human lives um, and just, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, but those are just some of the big pieces in my mind right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I am so excited because I will be going to the grand Canyon with you, yes, you will, sir. for, for that immersive experience. And it is going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm half terrified, half excited. <laughs> I don't want to fall into the Canyon because on our last hiking trip, 
<laughs> I fell off the side of the mountain and by God's grace, he saved me. That's yep. a whole different story. So there are some fears going into this, but that's part of the experience is you got to push through those it fears because everybody's going to experience fear no matter what. You know what I, you know, what I enjoyed the most about the hundred day challenge, doing it with you brother throughout this was the fact that when we celebrated, we fucking celebrated, man. Right. <laughs> at the end of this event, I'll let you tell the story, but at the end of this event, we're like, what are we going to do to kind of pull us all together and to celebrate this hundred day challenge completed? So what do we decide to do? You know, we're going to pop champagne bottles, right? That's, that's how we that celebrate. Was, yeah. No, we're going <laughs> to endear some, some pain and some suffering, but do something great. So I suggested doing a 14er in Colorado and you suggested, you were like, okay, let's do a 14er. That's exciting. But how about this? Let's do two in one day. <laughs> and I was like, well, if we're going to be out there anyways, we might as well. And yeah. that's what ended up happening. We, we did two 14ers, Grays and Tories in one day. I had never hiked more than a couple miles on flat ground, not in the snow. And it was in June, but there was still snow in the mountains. And we did it. It took us, I think, about seven and a half hours mm -hmm. and about 4,000 feet elevation climb from base to summit for both. And it was absolutely incredible. I did not fall off the side of the mountain that time, thank, thank goodness. But it was absolutely incredible. Met some amazing people. We saw that one guy who was like 76 years old. Yeah. Kicking making his, his way yeah. up when we were coming down. Talked to him for a while. Um, just very awesome. We met some amazing people on, on the hike that day. We pushed ourselves hard. It was also scary too because you are close to death anytime you are on a mountain like that. Yeah. And... I've since experienced that, but even that day too, just making sure that you're being careful, you're taking things one step at a time, you're staying focused the entire time, because if you yeah. lose focus, that's when problems can happen. Yeah. Communicating with one another and just pushing ourselves. And we pushed ourselves very, very hard. I've never pushed myself that hard physically. And along with that physical push came the mental push, but being on top of that summit, looking at all the other mountains, the snow, the beauty of it, the quietness of everything. And to be able to share that experience with you, I'll never forget the day, that day for the rest of my life. Right back at you, brother. Right back at you. That was, that was something that was quite a, a grind at the top with all the snow and we had to go find snowshoes and nobody had them. So we got them finally out of a, uh, like a trading shop and, um, it just all worked out perfectly and it was, it was worth every step. And and dealing with the altitude, that's a whole nother level. But uh, no, I'll never, I'll never forget yeah. that that moment, man. I'll never forget the moments of going up that mountain. And when you told me, like, I've never really done a whole lot of hiking, I'm like, well, this is one hell of a way to get started. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, let's go from yeah. That's my life, right? Let's go from zero to a hundred. Yeah, in a day. <laughs> in a day. No, it's so, awesome. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible, and that has sparked uh, a love for me to hike and I know for you as well. And we're planning other trips and going to be doing other journeys like that because it's just absolutely beautiful and powerful. And none of this would have been possible without the hundred day challenge. 100%. Absolutely insane. So mm -hmm. for my hundred day challenge in 2023, I've got a, a couple ideas that I'm pushing around. Obviously 
I've got a few weeks to prepare for it. So uh, one thing I mentioned last podcast is I'm going to do 100 podcasts in 100 days. That's going to be a juggernaut, but it's going to be awesome because I love doing this. I love talking to people like yourself. I love going on other people's podcasts, which I am going to be going on your podcast here pretty soon. Outer Spaces, wonderful podcast. I'm very excited for the direction that you're going to be taking that podcast. So 100 podcasts in 100 days. I'm going to do the bulk up phase. So I did the slim down phase of my health and fitness where I got down to under 10% body fat, 135 pounds. Now I'm going to build back up. So that's part of my next 100 day challenge. I want to become financially free. That's been something that I've a goal I've been uh, working towards for a long time. And the reason why I want to be financially free is because that not only opens up choices, but that opens up time so I can spend more time working with like Operation Rescue Children and doing things, writing, podcasts, all these new things in my life that a year ago had none of this. Yeah. Once again, the 100-day challenge made all of this possible. I wouldn't be talking right now if that wasn't happening. And I want to do a celebration trip again. Not a 14er this time, but we had talked about going on a hunting trip. Mm. I have never been hunting before. And if anybody is is part of PETA or a PETA fan, you're going to turn this uh, channel off very quickly here. But I want to go hunting because I've never been hunting before. And like I said, I want to shoot something big. Not I'm not want to go shoot an endangered species or do anything irresponsible, but I want to shoot like a deer or an elk, something that just thinking of it gives me butterflies right now. Yeah. Thinking of having to shoot one of God's creations, a beautiful animal, and not only do that, but then dress it or, mm. you know, get it prepped for food because one as a man, but two as a person who consumes meat on a daily basis, I feel like, I, I don't feel I, it's hard to explain, but I, I can't just go to a supermarket and see all this processed meat and love it and enjoy it, but not know what it took to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And so I, for, as a person, as a man, I feel like to raise my standards in life, especially when it comes to what I eat and how I choose to live my health. I need to do this and I have a lot of fear towards it. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of reservations towards it. It's going to be hard for me to do, but I've learned in my life, if you're not doing things that make you uncomfortable and that things are hard to do, and it is also going to help me respect meat more yep. because I yeah. know what it went through because I will be the one shooting it. I'll be the one cutting it open, dressing it and preparing it. And then, obviously consuming it at the end. But I think something like that is so powerful. And I was always taught that guns are bad and hunting's bad and this and that, but like you could do it responsibly. Some of the biggest hunting groups in America are the ones that have driven for national parks. We wouldn't have national parks if it wasn't for hunters. So I'm yeah. going to do it safe. I'm going to do it responsibly, but it's something that is going to be the celebration of the hundred day challenge in nice. 2023 for me. Yep. That's awesome. So, sorry, Peter people. You can turn <laughs> this, this show off, but I'm going to be shooting something and cutting we'll it up. Shooting, and we'll be shooting it. a tofu out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot some, hey, I love tofu, man. I know soy is not the best for you in large quantities, but I, I do love me some tofu. So yeah, go. that'll be my uh, part of my 100-day challenge. I'm not sure how much, 
that's already a pretty big list. Um, but I need to really evaluate parts of my life that I want to work on. So I might add one or two other things, yeah. but yeah, that'll be my hundred day challenge. So Sweet. just very excited about it. Excited to do another thing. And I think before we wrap up today, and this has just been an amazing conversation. I always love having you on. I always love talking with you. You ready for the conclusion of the, uh, the Maximus battle? Let's do it, dude. Let's wrap this thing up. All right. Sounds good. So this is another excerpt, excerpt, excerpt from my book. And, uh, this is, uh, the conclusion of that story. And, uh, it's coincidentally called Ace Gets Off the Mat. <laughs> so this is <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Remember where I left off my origin story earlier in chapter one? I left that episode in the scene of me flat out in the ring with Maximus for the championship round in Vegas. In front of all my other tribe members, I knew that I would have to get off the mat and keep fighting. As, stu- as soon as I stood up, my vision started to vacillate between blurry and totally black. I was this close to fainting from exhaustion. The cheering of my brothers became a distant buzz of white noise. Everything was moving in slow motion. Then I noticed Maximus was yelling something to me. It took me a few seconds to realize that he was telling me to flex. It took me another couple seconds to realize that he wanted me to use a power move I had learned earlier. Maximus was urging me to flex my biceps. I didn't know why he wanted me to do this, but I trusted him and did exactly what he told me. What happened next is no exaggeration. Immediately after flexing, I felt this sudden flow of energy through my body. I went from almost blacking out to being energized, coherent, and ready to finish the round and give it everything I could. My hands were back up in front of my face, my footwork came back to me, and even though I was still exhausted, I was able to land some combinations and finish the fight. At the bell, I fell to my knees again and started to tear up in total disbelief of the incredible journey I had just been through. Not only did I prove to myself that I can do anything I set my mind to and work my butt off for it, but I was able to use a superpower that I didn't even know I had. My anchor of flexing my arms took me from a state of blacking out to one of complete power and confidence. That evening, Ace was born when we later sat around a fire, taking turns bestowing warrior names. During the days leading up to that sacred moment, we'd done much more than boxing, including nightly mountain hikes, 24-7 rock carrying, and other intense physical and mental activities. In just a few days, we had transitioned from strangers to a close-knit tribe of men. We laughed together, cried together, sweated, and even bled together. The code name that they came up for me that night was the Ace. They explained how I reminded them of World War II fighter pilots who could focus in on their enemy, surrounded by chaos, and take down their targets. They saw an intense focus and massive amount of courage in me that I didn't even see in myself at the time. That superhero name has defined my life ever since. When it is time to become the ace, I grow focused and calm. I can maneuver through anything, shoot down my enemies, 
and reach any goal I set my mind on doing. My code name defines the person I've always wanted to be. Even though I faced a lot of work ahead that night to become the superhero ace, that first step of receiving my code name was a pivotal part of my trans- transformation and set a cornerstone of my emerging identities foundation. When people you trust give you a superhero name as a part of your identity and mission, this sacred act will empower you and put you in a state to change the world. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I love that fucking name, dude. I, I love that. And I was so, so excited to be part of that transformation and to see you take on that. And I've noticed a gigantic difference in your, the way you show up when you're showing up as Ace. And I, the name of the book is just perfect because it is a culmination of your experience, man. This isn't something you're just kind of talking your way through, like trying to figure out this is your story. This is how you went from where you were to where you are, which is incredible. And I just hope others see the value in it because it is so powerful. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And that is part of my origin story, how I became the superhero that I am today. And I don't say superhero to try to gloat or say I'm better than anybody. Tapping into a superhero is just a persona. It's a part of who I am. And if I show up as that person, just like you show up as a father, just like you show up as a husband, you're just known as as papa or dad or honey or whatever. Your superhero name is just an extension of who you are ultimately inside. And for you guys, I didn't even come up with the name Ace. Mm-hmm. You guys did. Yep. And immediately after you explained what it meant, and it sounded pretty freaking cool, I might add, I was just like, that's me. Yeah. That is the person I've always wanted to be. That is the person I know I can be. And it's so incredible. But it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication. I just don't wake up as Ace every morning. Oh, I pop out of bed. Up, oh, made my bed. Now I'm Ace. Now that... I got to summon that guy. I got it. First, you got to name it and then you have to know how to call it. That's what we talked about. We talked about the anchors, the power moves, the incantations, all those things summon that person. And it could, it doesn't have to be this big, powerful, confident person. It could be calm, loving, compassionate. Yep. Any emotion that you want, you can create through what is called anchors. I have a whole chapter on how to create anchors. And we have bad anchors too. So I talk about how to get rid of bad anchors. So lots of good stuff in this book. It's transformed my life. And I am so happy that I took on this challenge because I am just so happy with the person that I am today. And like I said earlier, this is just the beginning. So if you're interested in the book, check it out. Superherobydesign.com. Book's called Superhero by Design. Find it on Amazon. And yeah, follow me, Instagram at Ace Haggerty, Facebook at Matthew Ace Haggerty, and Ultimate Warrior, Joshua Gillow, Bia, brother, ride or die. It was a pleasure having you on today. I'm glad we got to jump into everything that we did. I think it's so important for people to end the year off on the right foot and just hit the ground running come January. Shoot, you could even start today. Why not? That's what I did. That's right. So absolutely. Right before this call, actually, uh, I signed up with a new trainer. So <laughs> I will be starting the bulk phase prior to January one. 
So might as well start today. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I love it. I love it, brother. Thank you for the opportunity to come on and speak to your audience. And you know, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure and a privilege for sure. Awesome, man. Well, until next time, thank you once again for coming on. For everybody listening, I hope you got a lot out of this. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, rate it five stars. You've already done a phenomenal job of doing that. Tell other people because we want to blow this thing up and we just want to enrich and empower other people's lives. So I thank you once again. I love you. And with that said, ace out. Ace out.